That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. You can find more podcasts and resources and also contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at That Sober Guy Podcast. All the links from today's podcast will be in the show notes for you. Make sure it's very easy for you to find. Hope you're doing well today. Glad you're here. We're going to talk about childlike faith today. Childlike faith. What is childlike faith? I definitely don't have all the answers for you. I do know that, but I'll do my best to share a little experience. Hopefully, you can relate to something that we talk about today, and uh, we'll go from there. Love to hear from you as well, so be sure, like I said, follow us at That Sober Guy Podcast. And if you have questions, if you have comments, um, you can hit us up on the contact form at thatsoberguy.com. Childlike faith. It's a great topic. Um, it's an important topic. And how do we walk day to day as God's children and practice that childlike faith, just like a child depends on his parent, his or her parent? How do we do that? Uh, you know, tucking my kids in at bed at night, Jess and I both, it's, um, it's one of those things that is very important to us. It's very, um, it, it means a lot. It's a time when we can talk a little bit we can share a little bit. We can see how the day has went. Um, of course, we always pray and uh, it's, it's a very religious thing. It happens every night. There's not a night that goes by that we don't do tuck-ins, even when we're super tired and I'm like, oh, man, I just want to go to bed right now. But no, we're going to take the time and, and we're going to sit in and we're going to even read a little bit sometimes, talk a little bit. We're going to pray and then we're going to have a good night rest, good night sleep. And um, doing that is really helping us to practice being in the moment. You know, these, these times with our kids right now, Jess and I realize how important they are. Um, at this time, Lucy's 12, almost 13. Cash is eight. He'll be nine later this year. And uh, it's already went by so dang fast. We can't believe they're 12 and nine already or 12 and eight already. How much faster is it going to go as the years continue to go on? Because it just seems like it's speeding up every day. Is like 24 hours is not enough time in the day to do all the things. And it, so staying in the moment can be difficult with all the things. And so we really have to remain conscious of it. And Jess and I are constantly reminding each other of that when we're complaining or we're like, oh man, this is like tough. We got to, we have to do this. We have to do that. Like we need to stay conscious. We need to stay in the moment. We need to understand that these times with our kids are impermanent. They're going to change. We're never going to get them back and we need to make them count period. So tuck-ins at night, very, very important. I try to listen to my kids as they talk to me, ask them how their day was going. What, what'd you do today? What happened? Anything um, that we need to talk about. I try to love them right where they're at. If they messed up, if we had a rough day, which happens sometimes, especially with homeschool, Homeschool is so challenging some days, trying to do chores and sports and homeschool and trying to do all the things and make sure that the, the kids are taken care of. And I give all credit to, to my wife, the Jess, for just 
taking care of that day in and day out. I help support the best I can in that, um, you know, and we're, we're constantly having to work on things with each other too and having to continue to improve. But she does the majority of that day in and day out. And it's, it's not easy. And so they do mess up. They have bad attitudes sometimes. They talk back sometimes. They're great kids. I mean, they're amazing kids. Everyone says that about their kids, right? Of course, most people at least. I know, I, I, but I truly believe that. Our kids are amazing kids. Um, they Do they mess up just like we mess up as adults? Absolutely. And so I always try to forgive them if they messed up that day. We talk about it. And then more importantly than that, if I messed up that day, let's say at Tuckins we had a, a bad day that day and maybe I got upset and raised my voice or was just having a bad attitude or being short or whatever it is, I have to fess up to that too. And I have to ask them, hey, dad had a rough day today. I apologize for getting so upset at when this happened and I messed up. And so I'm sorry about that. And I'm going to work on that. And those things are so important for, for them to see me as well, admitting when I've done something dumb or, or said something stupid or gotten upset when I really didn't need to overreacted sometimes, which can, can happen. I'm human. So we try to encompass some time together. Let's just leave it at that and, and really be in the moment at Tuckins and in um, together in, in those times, enjoy them. We laugh, we cry sometimes. Um, you know, like it recently our dog Brody passed away. And so every once in a while in the last few weeks it tuck ins with Cass with my son, Brody comes up cause he's got a little stuffed animal that Brody had with him a couple days before he passed away. We kept the stuffed animal cash wraps the little, the little stuffy. It's a little reindeer cause we got him around Christmas time. Cash wraps him up in Brody's blanket that Brody passed away in the blanket. We have the blanket. Cash sleeps with him. And he named the little reindeer guy Brody. So when we pray at night and when we talk, it's always, hey, good night, Brody. And we give him a little pat on the head and maybe give him a hug. And sometimes it brings back memories and we cry. And then sometimes we have something super funny that happened that day and we laugh our butts off together or we tell a story or we laugh about an old story about Brody. But whatever it is that we're talking about, we're laughing about, we're crying about, at the end of it, we always pray every single night we pray and I pray with my daughter and then I pray with my son. And, um, after we pray, you know, whatever, whatever that is, um, that night, it's usually pretty similar, but there's a thing that cash does and it's, it's hilarious. And he says, so we get done praying like, Oh, you know, okay. Hey, G Jesus, uh, thank you for our, our day today. We just ask that you bless our sleep tonight and just give us a, a great night's sleep with great dreams. And uh, man, we're just so grateful for you and we're grateful for our time together today and this warm bed that we're about to go sleep in tonight. And we just ask for a great day tomorrow when we wake up. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. That's something what maybe it looks like on any random night, right? And then right after that, Cash goes, just a bummer dreams, just a bummer dreams, just a bummer dreams, just a bummer dreams. He does it over and over. We've been doing it. I can't even tell you how many years now. And it's hilarious. It's just about my dreams. Just, I don't even know how it came up. I have to ask Jess. She probably knows. 
But what that means is just pray, just pray about my dreams. I don't, I don't want any bad dreams. I just want you to pray about my dreams. So he does that. And then I go, Jesus, we just pray just about Cassie Boy's dreams tonight. We just pray for, um, for a great night's sleep. And we pray that he hits a home run tomorrow in baseball. And we pray that um, for amazing dreams of him surfing with Brody on his surfboard. And they're surfing through the ocean and swimming and having a great time partying with their buddies at their birthday parties and eating cupcakes and having a great old time. In Jesus' name, amen. Great dreams tonight. Something like that. <laughs> and it's it's fun it's kind of funny we do it it's like really normal for us actually it's not really like i guess we don't really laugh sometimes sometimes we might for some but i guess what i'm saying is it's so normal it's just a normal thing we do and it's the sweetest thing it's the most genuine thing usually when i'm done ever every once in a while when i'm done with that here's what cash will say dad you're the best dad in the whole world you don't even know how much of a great dad you are. I love you so much, dad. Oh, I love you so much in the whole wide world. You don't even know how great. You don't even know how much I love you. Thank you, dad. That's what he tells me. He's eight. It's insane. Him and Lucy are a little different. Lucy, I know she loves me too, but she's more like, yeah, dad, good night. <laughs> she's a little more. She's actually a lot like me and Cash is a lot like Jess. Like Jess and Cash are like pretty emo. Lucy and me. We just like don't like to feel. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, good night. I'm learning. We're getting better. Both of us are getting better at it. But it's funny how we're kind of divided on those ends of the spectrum between the two kids and Jess and I. And one is like the other. But Cash says this every so often. And, and he says it more often than not. So I hear this all the time. It's literally, like I said, it's, it's the sweetest. It's the most genuine. It's just such non-judgmental, unconditional love. And it's like nothing I've ever felt in my life, period. And it makes me so happy. And I, I just, I feel so fulfilled. I feel like if there's anything, like I haven't done everything perfect being a parent, but I feel like if there's anything that Jess and I have done, it's, it's this, that we've done well. It's this, just instilling love in our kids and a firm foundation of God and, and God's presence in them and knowing that they can turn to God whenever they need to. And then just loving us so much and, and being able to love others so much. And in turn, that obviously makes us love Cash and Lucy so much. Like I, I'd do anything for either one of my kids, period. Even if they messed up, if they messed up bad, I'm like, I might not be pleased about that. They're on their own path. I don't know what choices. I hope they make great choices. They're going to mess up, period. And no matter what, I'm always going to love my kids. Um, Jess is always going to love our kids, period. Um, now, here, now, here's what I'm getting at here. Here's what we're talking about. Why am, I, why am I telling this story right now? So I laid down in bed after doing this one night. We, we, the whole thing I just described, it all kind of played out very similar to that, like it's played out many times before. And then for some reason, my mind switched and I thought to myself, man, how come I can see that? How come I can recognize that? How come cash can recognize that for, for me? And how come I can recognize it for cash that he is able to do all those things, pray and love me so much. There's this unconditional, non-judgmental, genuine, sweetest love. But it's nearly impossible sometimes for me to see that God loves me 
a grown 41-year-old man who's made plenty of mistakes in his entire 41 years on this little round planet allegedly spinning around in the universe, which is insane in itself. But it's so hard for me to see and understand that God sees me and loves me the same way as my son loves me. God sees me the same way as I see my son. And I don't even recognize it. I don't even recognize it. I mean, I do. I recognize it. I'm talking about it right now because I, I'm recognizing it. But I'm saying on the day to day, in those fast, fast paced days where I was talking earlier about staying in the moment and we're just go, 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 go. We don't, we don't recognize the love that God has for us. We don't. Because we're, we're so locked up in our brains up here. We're just, our brains are going, oh, we're going, cr- I got to do this. I got to, it's so important. Everything's so important. Let me tell you, and let me tell me, we'll, we'll, we'll tell each other right here. We're, we're all talking together here, even though I'm on the solo, which sounds kind of weird, but I know you're going to hear this and you're going to feel me on this. We're all together in this. And at the end of the day, if we knew it was our last day on this planet, I can promise you, I can promise you. The last thing you'll be concerned about is all the things that you got to do today and all the things I got to do and all the things that I'm stressed about and I have anxiety about and all the things that, how am I going to pay this? And how are we going to do that? How are we going to make that happen? All of it is irrelevant at the end of the day. The only thing that's relevant is the love we have for each other and the way that God sees us and the way God loves us. That's the most important thing. I've come to terms with that. I've come to acceptance with that. I've completely embraced it. And I'm very happy to say I will sit in that and continue to learn and grow in that for the rest of my life on this crazy planet, period. And then I got to thinking, what if I felt like that, like my son feels about me? What if I felt the same way and I said the same things to my father, to my heavenly father, to, to, to God, that he says to me, that Cash says to me, what if I felt that same thing? Oh God, you're the, you're the best God ever. Thank you so much. You've done so much for me. You saved me from addiction. You saved me from depression. You saved me, saved my family, saved my family from a life, um, of, of just brokenness and dysfunction. And you saved my health, man. Thank you so much. God, I love you so, 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 so much. That's childlike faith. To me, that's childlike faith. And it's, it's, it's so pure. And it's special. And it's real. And it's authentic. And it's fulfilling. I've tried so many things to, to, to feel the, the feeling. That's kind of hard to say there. To feel the feeling of being fulfilled in my heart, in my spirit. I searched for it since I was a kid. I later turned to substances to fill some of that stuff, to try to fill it at least, and it worked temporarily. It worked temporarily, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't do it all the time. Oh, I had to take a breath there. I had to take a little drink here too. Man, it's crazy. I wanted to read something out of Matthew. 
at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and calling to him like a child, I'm sorry, and calling to him a child. He put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you turn and, and practice your faith, practice your trust like a child, childlike faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So how do we do that? Like, how do we look at that scripture and how do we act on it and sit in it and accept it day in and day out? You know, one of the things that came up as I was thinking about this and taking some notes on this is attachments. It's like attachments. We attach to certain things. What is, so what is an attachment? The act of attaching or the condition of being attached, a bond, um, as a, a, a affection or loyalty, a fond regard was one of the other parts of the definition. We're attached to it. Attachments to people, places, and things. Let me tell you this. Let me, let me just back up a little bit. Attachments can be complicated. They can be negative and positive. We're going to get there in just a minute. But attachments to people, places, and things, what do they create? They create, oftentimes, they create suffering. We start to identify or set expectations through those attachments. And then the attachment eventually dissolves or it changes because everything's impermanent. And then boom, now we're suffering. There it is. Like I said, they can be positive. They can be negative. So not all attachments have to necessarily be a bad thing, but I think we need to recognize what an attachment is. And I think we need to recognize how we're attached to things. For example, I had an attachment. I had an attachment to alcohol. I had to say that over again. <laughs> I depended on it to be able to cope with life. When I was angry, I drank. When I was happy, I drank. If I wanted to have fun, I drank. Everything I do, I drank. That was it back in the day. That's what I knew. And it started as a teenager. There was escape. I wanted to escape. Um, and I, I didn't, I was searching, like I mentioned earlier, for something to fulfill the emptiness that was in my heart and my soul that only God can fulfill. I know that now. I didn't know it then. And that's still a walk. That's still a, a, that's still a day to day. It's a grind some days. It's not like, oh, he's holier than now. He's got it all figured out. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And so back then, I didn't know any other way. It was just, let's drink. Let's do it. Whatever else comes up. You know, I was singing the other day too. I am so grateful that I don't pop pills and do the stupid stuff I did back in the day because I just am reading about every single day another um, another person, another beautiful soul lost because of fentanyl or because of an overdose. Um, and a lot of it is fentanyl because that stuff's piling through the border right now and just infesting communities. And it's so sad. It's so sad. And as sad as it is, at the same time, I am that it, I hate, I don't even know how to say this because I don't want to sound like, like a jerk here, but I'm so happy that God gave me another chance. Number one, to have a new life have a new path, have a, have a family. 
that I can actually be present with. And then also to do this work and to hopefully give back because I do get another chance. And there's so many out there, families broken because they lost a son or a daughter to drugs or alcohol or addictions in general, mental health, like that, like that stuff is like, I'm so, I'm so happy for that. I'm so happy. And that's why it makes me so happy to give back and to continue to do this because I I do want to talk about it. I do want to help people. But back in the day, I had no idea of that. I had no idea. Like, ask me if I'm 21. Hey, bro, you're going to be 41 sitting, doing podcasting and speaking for a living about um, mental health and addiction. And you're actually going to be um, somebody who struggled with addiction and alcohol too. And uh, you're going to travel around and you're going to be in the corporate space and in the private space. And you're going to get to um, share experiences with all types of different people. And uh, man, dude, like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? Okay. You're going to, by the way, uh, you're going to be head over heels for Jesus and just in love with God. And he's going to radically change your life too, by the way, your whole family, you're going to raise your kids in the church and uh, with a solid foundation of uh, spirituality, not religion, but a relationship with God and a a spiritual relationship that uh, starts small and continues to grow day by day by day. That's, that's going to be you. Yeah. Okay, bro. (laughs) And I won't even say what I probably would have said then because it would involve a lot of cursing and and, um, smack talk right back because there was no way. That was not me. I had no no idea. And I'll give you an example. Like going to an A's game, back, back you know, reeling us back in when I was like, when I was angry, I drank. When I was happy, I drank. If I wanted to have fun, I drank. If I wanted to go to an A's game or a baseball game or an event, a sporting event, went to some basketball games back in the day, a couple of football games. I had to drink. There was no way I would ever thought of going to a game without drinking, period. I was attached to alcohol and pretty much everything I did. It wasn't about going to the game. I mean, it was, but it was more about kicking it with the homies and drinking and partying and, and whatever other substances were around. We would bring food. I, a lot of the time I wouldn't even eat because I was too busy partying. And then when we did get in the game late, Usually you got in a couple minutes late because you're still trying to party in the parking lot. It was straight to the bar to stand in line for more drinks or shots or whatever. And then maybe you made it to your seat in the sixth, seventh, sometimes even the eighth inning, watch a little bit of the game. And then it was like, man, where are we partying at after? Like that is not a fun way to live. That is not a conscious way to live. That is not a way to live that's fruitful for myself, for anybody out there, for their family. And, you know, I know there's plenty of people out there who can have a good time and don't don't have an issue and take it to the extreme that I'm talking about right now, too. I understand that. Me, on the other hand, I, I didn't understand that then. And I know that there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast, which is why they listen to it, that either themselves struggle with that or they know somebody who does. And so when we take it to that further extent, that's when it's an issue, when it's ruling our lives. You know, so that alcohol, we go back to attachments, alcohol, negative attachment. Now I want to flip the script and I want to talk about a positive attachment because there's two different kinds, two different things. I also had an attachment to my dog Brody that I talked about earlier. We had Brody since he was a puppy. Jess and I first got married. She brought him home. I didn't want him. Dog, I don't want a dog right now. No way. I got to take care of something. I don't want to take care of anything. I'm selfish. (laughs) I don't want to clean up poop. 
I don't want to feed something else. I can barely feed myself. This was before our kids. So Brody was literally our first kid and she brought him home and I denied him at first and it took about one day. And I was like, oh, I love this dog. He's so awesome. He was the coolest dog, coolest little puppy. I hold him in my hand. He was just so fun, so cute, so sweet. And I became attached to him immediately, you know, or within a day. And, you know, he lived 14 years, four, almost 14 and a half years. It's a long life for a dog. And we knew that he was getting old. And he went from October to December of last year. It's when we really started noticing the decline. And it happened very, very fast over just a couple months. And then we ended up having to put him down right before Christmas, December 23rd. It was a rough Christmas for the Ramers, this last one. It's, and it's different not having you know, Brody in the house. He's a part of your family. And if you've ever, if you have a pet or you've ever had a pet, a dog in particular, then you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've ever had to lose one or, or even put like having to make that decision of putting your dog down is one of the crappiest decisions I've ever had to make in my life, I think. It's definitely up there. It sucks. But you got to go through all the things. Like, man, he's lived a great life. He's in a lot of pain right now because he's old. His body is deteriorating. Aging, sickness, and death. Something Western culture doesn't talk about a lot. I heard a lot about that in Refuge Recovery from Noah Levine. Aging, sickness, and death. And I know that's, like I always say this, like it's not, that's just where I heard it. That stuff is centuries thousands of years old talking about that thinking about that acknowledging that sitting in that meditating in that praying in that it's inevitable we're human beings we get there one day we age we get sick and we die and i don't say that morbidly or to um scare anybody or like man this guy's like nuts he's talking about dying i mean but it's the moment that i faced death and accepted that I will die one day is the moment that I stand up and I live to my fullest extent because I want to live, but I want to live under the covering of God. I don't want to live under the covering of Shane Raymer. It doesn't work well. Tried it, tried stuff in that hole, but the special bond that you have with your dog is, is like nothing else. It's different than your kids. It's different than your spouse. It's different. It's just a bond that is very, very special. And like I said, if you've had a, a dog, you know what I'm talking about. So we, we talk about both. I talked about both of them, the negative one, drinking, alcohol, drugs, and, and the positive one. Um, now, I had to cut both of those attachments at some point or they were cut for me. With the drinking, eventually as time went on, I became desperate. I became tired um, and I was looking for something more in life. And I was at, people asked me, what, what, how'd you quit? I was literally desperate, pure desperation. I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to make a change and that attachment to alcohol had to go. And it was so hard because it was a, a very deep attachment and it left as I did the work. And as I went and got some help and as I continue to work on self and grow and eventually, like I mentioned, Brody, he aged, he became sick and he passed away. Now, the attachment to him, I feel like there will always be, like when we have attachments, there's always going to be a piece of those attachments in our heart somewhere, whether it's a very distant memory, whether it's a very strong memory, 
whether it's a certain feeling, a strong feeling. And over time, I feel like they fade. You know, the attachment to alcohol is gone, but I'm still very aware of what that did to me for so many years and what it could do to me if I was to ever go back to that. And so I need to keep that in mind. I need to be honest about that. You know, and then with like Brody, the attachment is still, that's a different attachment. It's still there. It's in my heart. There'll always be a part of Brody that's with me. There'll always be a part of some attachment. Like for you, if you've lost a loved one or a pet, or you have an attachment to something that you lost, that there's always going to be, and especially if it was something positive that served you well, that attachment's always going to be there. There's always going to be a memory, a feeling, a thought some sort of bond in your heart for that person, that place, that thing that you were attached to that was positive. It's not ever going to go away. And that's okay for the positive ones in my, in, in my understanding. So here's the question. How do we create a life free from attachment and free from suffering? Now, I, don't, <laughs> I thought about this as I kind of proposed this question, and I don't know if that's possible. Um, I really do believe it's part of the human condition. It's part of the human experience. And we have to learn to accept that and sit in it. And we have to learn to feel the good times, the hard times, the bad times, the hurt times, the sadness, the excitement as feeling. I'm a human being. And like I mentioned earlier with Lucy and I, who both are kind of on the same page that we have a hard time feeling, this is like a lifelong, like, What's the learning experience journey? It's a lifelong journey, whatever it's called. It's day in and day out. I'm thinking, oh, Shane, you're feeling, I'm able to process that now. Shane, you're feeling this way right now. Oh man, well that, that sucks. At least I'm feeling though. (laughs) I'm able to kind of like acknowledge, accept, sit in and be. Is it always fun? No, it's not. And, And actually sometimes I have a harder time feeling excited and happy than I do feeling sad or irritated, which is strange. And, and instead of going and drinking now, instead of beating myself up to no end, I, there's a couple things I do. Number one, I ask God to like help God help me right now. Um, you know, serenity prayers, another great one. I haven't actually used that one in a while. We could do it right now though. God, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Simple and very effective. Or just God, help me right now. I can't do this on my own. I need you. Amen. You know, and stopping and doing that is is so, taking a couple breaths, it's so powerful. Now, I do believe that we can better understand our attachments to people, places, and things. I do think that we can minimize the negative attachments by figuring out what they are, acknowledging them. I think we can embrace positive ones and be in the moment with them. I'm very attached to my kids. They're my kids. And I try to be in the moment with them as often as possible, which I'm not all the time. Lucy just told me actually earlier today, yeah, sometimes we're driving and I'll be talking to you and you just go, yeah. Yeah, looking out the window. And it's because I have a lot of crap on my mind. <laughs> and like, it's really hard for me not to kick my own ass and be like, 
man, what's wrong with you? You need to listen to your daughter. You need to be perfect. You need to listen to every single thing she says and the, every single thing your kids say and do. And you need to be there at all times. Like, I want to be perfect, but I'm not. I'm not perfect. So it's like, okay, thank you for telling me that. Next time when she talks to me in the car, I can guarantee you I'm going to be a little more responsive to that and aware because she pointed it out to me. The subconscious mind is powerful and it takes over sometimes. The ultimate goal, I think, in this with the negative attachment and the, and the positive attachment is understanding the difference and recognizing that either way, we're creating some sort of suffering when we lose the things we were once attached to. And so we need to expect things to change. We need to expect and understand that everything's impermanent. We need to expect to lose them or quit them. And in that, we find that we can better enjoy the positive attachments and, and have some positivity in those. And we can get rid of the negative ones once we understand, once we accept and start to acknowledge what those are. So something to think about. Letting go. What about letting go? So we, we, we talk about attachments. How do we let go of those attachments? How do we do that now? Both the negative ones and the positive ones. How do we let go of those? Like I, It's hard to let go of my dog. It's hard to let go when we lose a loved one. You know, and we're all going to go through that at some point. How do we recognize? How do we understand? How do we accept that that's inevitable? How do we accept that things are going to change? How do we accept that moments and seasons of life are temporary? And, and here's the thing with that. I, I believe that once we recognize that, that seasons of life are temporary, we go, okay. It can make us and help us step back and, and, and really live in those seasons for what they are instead of trying to get through them and on to the next one. You know, I'm guilty of that right now when we talk about seasons just in general. I'm over winter right now. I'm so over it. We just have huge storms. It's been raining like crazy here in Northern California. We haven't had rain here in years, which I know everyone's like, oh, we need the rain. I get it. I know we need the rain. Fill the lakes up. I totally get it. I agree with that, but I'm over it. I'm over. I don't know if it's the older I get, the more I hate the cold. I, I still love Lake Tahoe, but I love going to Lake Tahoe in the summertime. I used to snowboard and go up to the snow all the time. Not really fun to me anymore. I mean, at least to go like, I don't know. It's just like beach or, or snow. I'm going to the beach all day. So I totally lost my train of thought there too because I started thinking about the beach. <laughs> my, this is so funny. It's so classic too. Like all of a sudden my brain just like floats away and I'm like sitting on the beach and in my chair with my toes in the sand and just looking out and like, ugh. And that's, the, that's, that's a great example right there of the subconscious. Just like, boom. It's so quick too to just switch gears. And that's why I'm, pra I'm practicing more than ever right now, just like sitting still and meditating. I don't even still call it meditating. I don't really know what it is because I picture me I, there's so many people who are such way. You're a way better meditator than I am. <laughs> I suck at meditating. I'm probably harder on myself than I am, but I, I really have been trying to sit and just be 
and control the mind because it's so crazy. So crazy. But, okay, here's, here's what it was. Now I remember what I was saying now. The moments and seasons of life are temporary. And so like with winter, I've been out, I'm out of the mode. I want to wear shorts. I want to wear a t-shirt, sandals, almost said flip-flops. I've been trying to stop saying flip-flops. I don't like it. I got my flip-flops. <laughs> my dad used to call them thongs back in the 80s. Can you go get my thongs? <laughs> That's so funny. He used to buy thongs at Long's back in the day. Remember Long's Drugstore? He'd come, come home with like a $4.99 pair of thongs. Got my thongs on. I don't wear thongs. I don't wear flip-flops. Just give me some sandals. I want some uh, rainbow sandals. Those are the best. But that's what I want to wear. That is what I want to wear. I'm over the cold. And so here's the point. I know I've taken like five minutes to try to get to this because I forgot and now I'm rambling. But I'm trying to speed up the process to get to spring and summer. Okay, because I'm tired of the winter. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just over it. But lately, I'm not sitting in the moment in this season because I'm over it and I'm ready to move on to the next season. And I have to be careful because I don't want to miss something in this season, even though it's cold and wet and kind of over it. It's a good reminder for me to sit in the season we're in because eventually it will change. And then I promise you, come September, when it's like 115 here in Vacaville, California, because it gets hot, I'm going to be complaining about how hot it is and how I want it to cool off. I can't wait to wear a hoodie. I can't wait to wear a beanie. Oh, it's so hot. It's the human condition. <laughs> it is. And I'm not, I can't be down on myself for it, but I can acknowledge it and try to understand it. And it will help to sit in the season we're in because each season of life is temporary. It is. Now, I mentioned earlier how much I tried to stuff my heart with. I tried to stuff my soul with so many things over the years. Nothing ever worked. I tried drugs. I tried alcohol. I tried money. I tried sex. I tried food. I tried buying stuff. I tried approval of others. Um, I tried being crazy and just like the guy who didn't care. I didn't care about anything. I don't even care, man. I just don't even care. The guy who says he doesn't care probably cares way too much more than anything. I tried relationships. Like I, I literally tried everything. I tried everything to, to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel known, to feel important, like I mattered, like my voice mattered, and nothing worked. It worked temporarily, but it eventually wore off. It wasn't until I finally let go of all of it and really started to trust God, and I'm still working on that 100% every day. But it wasn't until I did that that I started to understand and started to feel what it feels like to feel joy and to feel fulfilled in who I am as a person, as a man, as a human being who's covered by God, who trusts the process. Go back and listen to that podcast, the last one we put out, I believe. Trust the process. God said, don't be frightened, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't be frightened, don't be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I truly believe that God has always been with me, even when I didn't recognize him as being there with me. 
through all the years. And, you know, I, I haven't told a lot of my story and just mentioned, you know, you need to maybe share some of your story again. You haven't done that in a while. There's new stuff like that comes out when you share because you forget. And like one of those is like, I was raised in the Catholic church. I know I've mentioned it a couple of times, probably briefly, like God was never an issue for me. I always believed, I always, I always knew there was something in my heart. Holy spirit was in my heart. I could feel it, but I just didn't understand it. I just didn't trust it. I just wasn't willing to look foolish for God. Wasn't willing to strike out for God. Baseball is a game of failure and you hit three out of 10 times and that's a success. So to play baseball, you cannot be scared of failure. Now I played baseball since I was my, my, in fact, my first words, ask my mom, ask her, call her up old Dars. Don't call her up, please. You don't have her number anyways, but my first words were bat and ball. That's how long I played baseball forever. And I was never afraid to play baseball. I was never afraid of striking out. I hated striking out. It sucked. I was really hard on myself, but I was never too scared to play because it's a game of failure. And I knew I was going to fail, but in order to hit some home runs and hit some doubles and make some amazing plays and play the game that I love so much, I had to show up and play it and be okay with failing. I was never okay with doing that with God ever. I was too scared to fail, too scared to look foolish, too scared what everyone else might think too scared fear and thank god i'm not today i'm fine with looking like a fool i'm either completely insane or 100 right that's it but i tried to stuff this heart with so much and nothing worked and then finally i told my wife and my best friend seth i had a drinking problem i needed help that was just the the surface of it the drinking i was the very top was prohibiting me from connecting spiritually from connecting to self from connecting to something higher from connect connecting to my family to my kids connecting period it was a block a major block and i think that's what so many dudes out there struggle with who have drinking issues you're being you're literally being poisoned and blocked mentally physically spiritually from advancing to what god has for you period and you can't do it until you unblock that, until you stop. And you can apply that to any drug or any addiction or any bad habit. It's the same thing. I had to let go of the only tool I knew how to use to deal with life. I had to let go. It was, it was difficult. But I had to want to let go. You have to want to let go. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody could do it for me. You see, I have resources and like if you go to sober guy that's soberguy.com there's resources on there there's meetings there's um organizations there's courses there's tons of podcasts there's everything so someone might say hey you have a lot of resources for people you have a lot of experience you could share with people shane don't you sure i do thank god for that but it means nothing to somebody who doesn't want to do it themselves it means absolutely nothing because i can share everything with you if you're listening to this right now, I can share it all with you. But if you're not ready, if you're not ready for change, if you're not ready to change, to shift, to try something different, to open your heart up, to look like a fool for God, 
I can't help you. And nobody could help me at that time either. I had to be so desperate. And I was, I was so desperate for change. I was desperate for something more. I was desperate for something new. I was desperate to see what God had for my life because I knew he had something. And I knew what I was doing at the time was not it. See, desperation is the key to letting go. Desperation is the key to change. And the key unlocks the grace of God when you choose to use the key to open the door. So how do we trust him? How do we trust God? How do we do that? Now, that door I just talked about, when you open that door, you begin, just even if it's just crack, just crack the door. You begin very slowly a new quest of pursuing and trusting God. You begin to recognize all that he's done in your life. Like, just think back for a minute, all the things, God, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. And I'm really learning these days that God works backwards. Like I'm realizing these things that spoke to me or something happened like five, 10 years ago, or even a year ago that somebody said to me that all of a sudden in the snap of a finger, that was a weak snap. Let's see if I can get a better one there just for effect. <laughs> but literally in the, in the, in the moment, like it made something made sense that somebody said to me. It's like, wow, man, you are always with me. <laughs> and then you start to recognize all that he continues to do in your life. Like nothing's by accident. I, I do not believe in coincidences. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe it. And I can tell you from experience, after you start to go down this path and you accept it and you embrace it and you start to learn and it takes time, it takes time. It's frustrating sometimes too, but it takes time. But I'll tell you from experience, you're probably going to have, if you're anything like me, you're going to have way more questions than you have answers. <laughs> and that's why I always say, that's why three of my favorite words are, I don't know. That's helped with a lot of acceptance. I don't have to have all the answers to everything because that's where the trust comes in. That's where the faith comes in. But how do you trust God? Ask yourself this, has God ever let you down? And maybe you say, yeah, he has, he has. Yeah. God, God really let me down. I want to tell you right now, God doesn't let people down. People let people down. God doesn't let people down. People let people down. And we put our faith in people, places or things. We set expectations. And a lot of the time we get let down. That's what happens. You know, this reminded me, and I know I've told this story quite a few times, but it's such a relevant story and to this topic in particular. And it's just, I just feel like it's so good. And I feel like somebody needs to hear it right now. But there was a day I was complaining about my dad and I was talking to my friend, buddy on, on, on the phone, buddy's out in Georgia, buddy. See a lot of you listen to him and you, and buddy's helped a ton of people himself with books and podcasts and meditations, um, he's, he actually, you should check it out. It's called sober meditations. And I, I when last time buddy and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was telling me how, how fast and how much sober meditations is growing. And it's, it's such a great app. So you can check that out. Uh, if you're, if you're interested, but I was talking and I was complaining about my dad and, um, and I was going on and on about how he didn't do this for me and poor is basically poor me and just a whole victim puke all over the phone, right? In, in Buddy's ear. And he finally just told me to shut up. And I, I think, I, I don't remember exactly verbatim what he said, but it was like, dude, 
you just shut up like just stop shut the f i don't know if he cursed or what but it was very abrupt and he never would do that at the time but he's just probably so tired of it which i can totally understand now and he said look at all the good men that god's put in your life what about all those good men that helped fill those voids that you're sitting here complaining about your dad and he said you see the problem is is you set expectations for your dad that he's never going to live up to and that's your problem not his and i went boom dang bro wow wow it's always in church wow wow (laughs) wow whoa that's good. That's good. Sorry, I'm imitating church right now. Sorry. Don't mock church. Shane, you're my... <laughs> it's just kind of funny sometimes. I love church. I love the wows. I love the... Yeah, I love it. But it's true. I was putting I was putting expectations on my dad that he was never going to meet. And, and Buddy was so right. That is my problem. It's not his. My dad's on his own path. I love that dude. He's doing his own thing. I love him. I pray for him. And that's all I can do. He brought me into this world. Thank you dad love you that's it the rest of the stuff is not personal to me anymore let it go let it go my, my real father is way up in heaven that's who I, that's who i really put my trust and my faith and everything into today and and that gives me freedom period 100 percent freedom separation between flesh and spirit 100 percent freedom read galatians that's what really woke me up to a lot of this and i continue to study and be like wow Wow. (laughs) But how many times have we put all of our trust in man? How many times have we had expectations in people, places, and things and not God? Man, like it, it doesn't work. I was seeking approval in all of it, in trusting in man, trusting in people. I was seeking approval. I was seeking value i was seeking self-worth i was seeking encouragement that a boy good job shane yeah i wasn't looking for that from god i was looking at it from people and i was let down and i let myself down i did it to myself that's it now i can get some of those things encouragement self-worth value approval i can get some of those from men I can have men speak into me. I can have women speak into me. My wife speaks into me all the time. Thank God for her. Amazing. But I have to be around the right people. I have to be around. And it doesn't mean that I, it doesn't mean that I think I'm too good or that I distance myself from, I only hang around the right people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I have to understand the difference. And I have to understand that people, places, and things will always let us down when we put everything into them. And I was a fool to think that putting everything I had into people, places, and things, and particularly man himself, would make me complete. He can't. It's impossible. The only thing that makes me complete is a complete surrender, a complete submission to God, period. That's it. Complete freedom. You know, I, I, I took a note of this and I wasn't going to talk about it because I didn't want it to sound weird, but I'm going to, I'm going to mention it. It came to me. The note was on my notes, 3.43 AM. This was a, a few nights back, a couple weeks back now. Um, but I woke up in the middle of the night and I just heard some of you are in a storm and some of you just need to trust God and take a nap. 
just like Jesus did in the boat. <laughs> that's what I heard. And so maybe that's you right now. Maybe you need that childlike faith. You're in the middle of a storm right now. Something's happening that you don't even know why it's happening and you're questioning, God, how could you do this? Why? How am I going to do this? How are we going to pay that? How are we going to get through this? Why is this happening? Why, why, why? You just need to trust God. And I know it's easier said than done and people will laugh and they'll mock that. Just, yeah, just trust God. I'm just going to wake up and there's going to be millions of dollars in my account. Okay, Shane. <laughs> and I just laugh it because I've had the same thoughts too. I don't blame you actually. I've said the same thing. I've heard the same thing. And the answer is, I don't know the answer, but I promise you when we trust the process, when we trust God, when we take a nap in the storm and we let God work, it seems to work out. And I want to encourage you right now that you can do that. You can fulfill the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, whatever it is that you're going through right now, you can have freedom from that. But we have to trust God. We have to practice childlike faith. Just as my son trusts me, he knows I'm going to feed him. He knows I'm going to clothe him. He knows I'm going to keep him safe. He knows I'm going to love him. He knows I'm going to care for him. He knows I'm going to cry with him. I'm going to laugh with him. I'm going to help him. I'm going to walk with him through the peaks and the valleys of his entire life. He trusts me with everything that his little heart has. Man, I love that boy. We need to do the same thing with our father, with our God. We need to trust him the same way that Cash trust, trust me, that Lucy trust me. The same way that your kids trust you. You're their superhero. You're their super mom. You're their super dad. They look up to you. They love you so much. And God gave you an opportunity to speak into them and to be there for them. And it should be of our utmost importance, our utmost duty to steward them the best job we can do. And we're not perfect. We make mistakes. It's all part of it. But when we wake up to that childlike faith and understand that we can do the same thing, and, and we can, we, that, we have that in our hearts, in our spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's in us. That's where the true freedom is. And, and in fact, it's not just where the true freedom is. It's where the only freedom is. And it's where the only real truth is. No one is beyond the power of God. I 100% believe that. If you want to quit drinking, you want to know more about how God sees you, you want to know more about Jesus, you want to know more or how to put down the bottle, here's what you can do. You can go to thatsoberguy.com, click on the contact button, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. I'd love to hear from you, share a little bit of your story if you'd like. Um, I try to respond to every message, and I'd just like to share a couple words of encouragement with you uh, if you'd like to reach out. Um, I love you guys. I hope that something spoke to you today, and I promise you, God has something great and wonderful planned for your life. I love you guys. Peace, love, and respect, and keep your blood clean. Mm-hmm.